Good morning. Good morning so far? Good. Well, before I even get started on the teaching on the gifts, is there any questions from yesterday's teaching? Um, like I said, I'm going to teach on the gifts, so let's save those questions for a little bit. But any questions on the baptism, infilling of the Holy Spirit, or something that happened yesterday? Yes. So his question was, he only had a few sounds come, you know, and a uh, few words. I would say this is ask God to expand it. And so instead of saying, you try to expand it, say, okay, Lord, expand it. In the same way that you stepped out in faith with those three or whatever, how many sounds and things that are coming out of you, that's very common. I see that a lot when people first get their prayer language. They'll often only have a few words that they say over and over, and then, then God usually expands it. But press into what you already have, and then just ask the Lord. Lord, give me the full release of my prayer language. Yeah. All right, right here. Is it common Very much, because you're actually partnering in intercession with the Lord. So when people are praying in the prayer language... Oftentimes, you know what you're directing it towards, right? So it's not like, well, I might be, I thought I was praying for grandma, but I guess I was praying for Zimbabwe. Like, you know what I mean? So, so uh, honestly, (laughs) anyway, um, Zimbabwe. So, anyways, uh, you can direct it towards what you want to direct it towards. There are times that I'm not. I'm just praying, and I don't, I'm not thinking of anything. I'm washing dishes and doing what i got to do. And there's times where I know what I am interceding over because I'm thoughtful. You know, I'm mindful of it. I'm, I'm thinking of something. But, it, but there are times that you will feel the emotions of the Lord. I would say you're really, it's intercession. And I'm not, Andy's going to teach, I think, in a few weeks on prayer in, in worship, and so he probably will speak on intercession, which is a whole nother side, but you're actually partnering with God and experiencing his thoughts and feelings, and, and so yes, it's very common, yeah, right behind, yeah. Is it possible to have multiple prayer languages? Yes, yes it is. You know, um, well, obviously, we don't pray in our prayer languages out loud in places that it's going to cause confusion or fear or those sorts of things. But if you're just talking about in the place of prayer, you know, like I said yesterday, it's important that our mind is connecting to what we're praying for at times. So we pray in the language that we know and we speak um, because as we're declaring these things, we're coming into agreement with what we're saying. And then there's times where we just feel led by the Holy Spirit to pray in our prayer language over those things. So one is not better than the other or more important than the other. They both have their purposes. And I really wouldn't worry about, like, is it should I be doing this or should I be doing that? 
The Holy Spirit is great at telling you, like he leads and guides you. Um, the only time that we want to be sensitive is if we're praying out loud in a place that it wouldn't be appropriate to do that. Does that make sense? Okay. Right here. Gospel, yeah. Well, I would highly recommend what they were saying, get my notes from yesterday, because I went through a lot of content really quickly that you really go over it, right? And so it, it, there is no formula, just like there's no, in the Bible, there's no sinner's prayer. We, we made that up. It's not wrong, but there's nowhere that it says, this is what you do. It just says, repent of your sins, acknowledge him and turn and follow him, right? So we say things like, you pray this prayer, but that's not, you don't have to pray a certain type of prayer. The important part is that you're repenting of your sins, you're acknowledging Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you're turning your life and following him, right? And so in the same way of being, praying for someone or guiding someone through being filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, there's no like right prayer other than you're asking, you're, you know, you're explaining to him, them about the Trinity of who you explained who Jesus was, you're explaining who Holy Spirit was, and you're saying that Jesus is now at the right hand of the Father, but he said he's going to send the promise, and you explain a little bit of Acts, you know, this is what happened, and we have access to that same power, he clothes us with power, so now as Christians, we can be clothed with that same power, and one of the things that you get is a prayer language. And so you just make it as simple as possible. And I also will say this, guys, is like we will never as leaders say, hey, don't tell your parents what's going on. That would be weird, okay? But you also have to remember that they're not here experiencing what you're experiencing. So that you have to use sometimes wisdom on how you explain things or they're going to think you're in a cult, you know, because they're not here, especially if they're from a more conservative background, you know, and you're like, guess what happened to me yesterday? And they're like, oh my gosh, you know, they're freaking out. So there's, it's asking the Lord for the wisdom and the timing of how to do that. It's not trying to be deceitful or keeping something from them, but there are a lot of things in my life that, like if I was trying to explain it to my dad, he would have no idea what I'm talking about. And, and there's a place of going, we honor our family, we honor our parents, but but the Lord doesn't expect us to, you got to use wisdom. Does that make sense? Yeah. So there's things that you've heard about and you didn't know what to think about it. But then when you were there and experienced it yourself, you were like, oh. So when they're not there to experiencing it themselves, you just have to use wisdom on how much you tell them and when you tell them. Sometimes the best way is after you get back from outreach and you go home and uh, you're back in your local church or you're, and they're like, why, how are you so different? Like, why, where does that joy, it's oftentimes you looking more like Jesus that opens the door for you to share about some of these other things that have happened to you that maybe your family isn't used to or your church, right? So it's the humility, wisdom, but I would get my, just get those notes and kind of go through. Now, you don't have to give a whole teaching, just like, you know, we can preach the gospel for three hours from Genesis to Revelation, or we can give the bullet points, Right? So that kind of answer your question? Okay. Right over here. Yep. So, 
first of all, again, like I said, God can do anything anywhere, anytime. He doesn't need somebody that's full of the spirit if he actually he can do miracles. Like I said, a donkey prophesied. So I don't think he was saved, nor was he uh, spirit filled. He was filled with the spirit in that moment. So it's like, can any, a non, God can do anything. So we got to always remember that. But the part is, is like, if you are a follower of Jesus and you haven't had the experience of being clothed with power, baptized in the Holy Spirit, yeah, there are times that God could use you because of his love and mercy and grace and he wants to heal somebody and touch somebody and all of that. I definitely think that that can happen. But what you will see is that people that have been, have asked the Holy Spirit to clothe them with power, have had the moment of being prayed for, praying for it, you oftentimes will see the great increase in their life, right? So can it happen without it? Well, yeah, he's God. But it doesn't usually, you don't see that very often. So people that are not full of the Spirit in the sense of they've asked the Holy Spirit to come and clothe them with power, all of that, you don't usually see them operating in very many miracles, signs, wonders, all of the gifts in that way. Um, but it's like this. Some people in the body of Christ are not called to preach on this because of their role. Let's use Billy Graham as an example. Okay, there's no way that Billy Graham could have done what he has done, ha, that he did to be one of the greatest evangelists of all time if he wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Now, did he pray in tongues? I don't know. I've heard a rumor, but I don't know. But he never would preach on it because that's not even his, he's, his background was definitely not in that lane but I've met many, many ministers over the years that are from more conservative denominations, and God has called them to those places, and they do have a prayer language. They just never preach on it because that's not their assignment to do that. So I would say that you'd be surprised about how many people um, are walking in this. If they're walking in, in the supernatural and they're doing things that only God could do, then I would say they're most likely spirit-filled, even if they don't pray in tongues or not. And people do get sovereignly filled with the Holy Spirit. I have lots. I personally was as a little kid. Actually, it was wild. Is that uh, I never, you know, you heard how I grew up, but I didn't hear anything on this. And I remember praying in my room as a kid, and suddenly beginning to speak in a language that I did not know and did not understand. And I thought, huh, this is funny. I have a special language. I didn't find out till years later what it actually was. So I'd been praying the Spirit for years. Just thought this is a funny little thing that happens. I didn't know what to do with it. And I've. You know, I have a friend that got radically, he, he did a whole bunch of crimes, and he got radically saved right before he went to prison. But when he was in prison, he was folding the laundry, that was his duty, and he got filled with the Spirit and started praying in tongues, and no one was in there. So there's so many stories of people that have that encounter that they're praying by themselves. You know, like, I was... Uh, the speaker at the National Prayer Conference in Norway a couple years ago, and I remember three nuns. They, they could pray me under the table. It's full of the Spirit, praying in tongues. Nuns fully in their nun garb, you know what I'm saying? Like, nuns, priests. I'm telling you, I've met every kind of person you could imagine, and so we just don't limit that. But I would say, I would never put a limitation to say God can't do this if you're not filled with the Spirit, because he's God. But I would say... Just look at the fruit of your life. Look at the fruit of the lives of those around you. So I'm not going to give a direct answer because I don't believe there is one. All right. Any other questions? All right. We're good? Okay. I'm going to move into the teaching then today. I'm going to teach on the nine gifts of the Spirit.
And we may not get through the whole thing, but I'll finish up tomorrow, and we'll see what happens here. So today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 12, is where we're going to be out of today. So in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul lists the nine spiritual gifts or manifestations of the Spirit. So with these gifts, they're always supernatural and sovereign, and they can only be given by God. Okay, so that means that no one can have these nine gifts that I'm talking about outside of the sovereignty of God giving them to them. They are the tools that God gives us through the Holy Spirit to equip us as Christians for the callings of God that he's given to us for us to be able to serve him. So remember, we even I said this the other day, is that God saves us, I mean, Jesus died so we could have eternal life, we're saved, then he gives us the Spirit, and then if that's not crazy enough, then he says, here's the gifts that you get to operate in too, that's how we're going to do the things that he did and even greater things. So any person who has been filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit can have these gifts of the Spirit operation in their life as the Holy Spirit directs. So in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul describes these supernatural gifts that belong to every spirit-filled believer. So he starts out in chapter 12 in verse 1 by saying, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. So in our case, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be ignorant. That means he actually wants you to know about them. It's important that we know about them. You know, a lot of times what we do is we study or we want to know the gifts that we have or the personalities that we have, but it's important that we know about all of them so that we know how we work together with other people in the body. Sometimes we focus so much on our part that we don't know what to do with our part or how it fits. So he says, don't be ignorant. I need you to know about all of this so that you know how these things come together and how they work together. In verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. When they say spirit, talking about Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So I want you to take notice that these supernatural gifts of the Spirit, they're given by God, and they're given to every believer, not just the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, but they're every, for every Christian today that wants to walk in these that are filled with the Spirit. So the gifts are not for a few select, elite, certain types of ministers or ministries. They are for every believer, and that includes you. So we use the word the manifestation of the gifts. All that word manifestation means is a showing forth. That's all that word actually means. Sometimes we hear the word manifestation and they think something negative like demonic. But it really just literally means a showing forth. You can manifest joy. You can manifest peace. You can manifest anger. Whatever is coming, is, you're just showing it. So when he says, I want you, the manifestation of the spirit means a showing forth of the spirit, of the Holy Spirit through our lives. So God wants to show forth his gifts, his presence through us so everyone can encounter God and benefit from it. So his desire so much is that we would walk in these so that the body of Christ, the people around us, the lost, can encounter him through the gifts in each other. So in Hebrews 2.4, I'll just read it. It says, God also testifies to it by signs, wonders, and by various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributing according to his will. So right here in this verse in Hebrews 2.4, Paul's talking about the message of salvation, and God is testifying to the message of salvation with power. So that we don't depart from that message, he testifies with signs and wonders and by gifts of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit distributes those according to his will. 
So here's the thing, is that God never separates the word and the spirit, ever. Sometimes people do. People will say, you know, I'm a spirit person, or I'm just a word person. If you're a word person without the spirit, you're going to become religious, and it's going to be dead. If you become a spirit person without the word, you're going to become flaky, weird, and probably deceived. Okay? You have to be a word and the spirit person. As a prophetic person, I'm telling you, the more gifted you are, the more that you have to be in the word, because that's what grounds you. The more that you're studying the word, the more that you need the spirit to bring it to life every single day. So what he's saying is that when we preach the gospel, how he designed it is that he brings signs, wonders, and miracles to come alongside the preaching of the gospel so that we don't depart from it, so that we know that it's real. So we're like, sometimes like, well, you know, it's just the preaching of the gospel. We don't have to worry about the signs and wonders. He's like, no, they go together. That's how they know that what you're telling them is not like just another religion. But he testifies to the message of salvation with signs, wonders, and miracles, with power, so that we don't depart from it and that they don't depart from it. So the Holy Spirit is the giver of the gifts. Now we're going to go back to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8. To one, there is given to the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of that same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. All right, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to write these out on the board, and this is for the teaching purposes. It doesn't mean that this is exactly how it is, but I'm going to explain that just so you have a bit more of a visual. And so I'm going to group them in three groups of three, and then explain each group, and then each, uh, each gift. So the first one we have is we have a word of wisdom. Then we have a word of knowledge. And we have discerning of spirits. This is what we call the revelation gifts. They're like the eyes of God. And they supernaturally see something. In the second group... We have the gift of faith, the gift of healing, and the gift of miracles. This is what we call the power gifts. They're like the hands of God. They supernaturally do something. And then the third one, we have the gift of prophecy. We have the gift of tongues. We have the gift of interpretation of tongues. This is what we call the vocal gifts. They're like the mouth of God. And they supernaturally say something. What helps me remember is the three that see, the three that do, and the three that speak. So, 
The revelation gifts. The first set, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. This is the way that God uses to supernaturally reveal and speak to his church and his people certain things that they could not know about in the natural or on their own. So the only way that you would be able to operate in these if God or if the Holy Spirit supernaturally revealed it to you. All right? So we're going to hit the word of uh, wisdom first. So a word of wisdom is a revelation from God concerning people and places or things pertaining to the future and the wisdom for the future. So, it's, so through this gift, God lets us know how he wants to deal with a specific situation as it arises in the future. What it is is actually he's saying, here's what's coming, but here's the wisdom for what's coming. So the actual gift is saying, here's the wisdom for what's about to happen. So it always relates to the future, but it's the wisdom for the future. It has nothing to do with being wise or the soulish power of man. Now, like when Solomon had wisdom, it's not necessarily the supernatural gift of wisdom. He was just wise. We have many among us that are wise, and it's still God that made them that way. But this is the supernatural revealing of what's coming in the future and the wisdom for it. So it is not natural wisdom. It has nothing to do with human academic ability. Now, an example would be in Acts 27. It's the story of Paul before the missionary voyage. And Paul has a sense, a knowing. He knew it by a feeling, actually. And he says, there's going to be something that happens with with the ship. There's going to be a storm. And there's going to be damage and hurt and loss of life. But here's what to do. To avoid that from happening. Here's the wisdom for the future. I see this coming, but here's what to do when you get yourself in that situation. Now, a word of knowledge is a revelation by the Holy Spirit, giving a piece of God's knowledge or information concerning people and situations in the present and in the past. So the word of wisdom is the future. Word of knowledge is the present, something that's already happened right now or has happened in the past. It is knowledge that goes beyond our own senses. In other words, we couldn't figure it out in and of ourselves. It is not normal knowledge that comes through study, reading, observation, or experience. And it's not an intellectual ability or education. So this supernatural gift always relates to the situations in the present or past, but never the future. Now, an example of this is in John 4, verse 16. It's the story with Jesus at the woman at the well. He told her, go and call your husband and come back. She says, I don't have a husband. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. So here, you know, it's obviously Jesus, the son of God, but he's getting, he's saying, yeah, here's your life. And he actually said, don't tell anybody, but he already knew who she was. She went back to her village or back to her town. She told everybody, I met a man that told me everything about me. We well, didn't tell her everything about her. He just told her that part. And the whole town ends up coming to Jesus. So the word of knowledge is powerful for so many different reasons. Now, I'm going to talk about these a bit more here. So for the word of knowledge, we often see this in the area of evangelism. So for those of us that have these gifts... When you walk up to a stranger that you've never met before and you start to tell them information about their life, you have their attention, right? And so in that moment, you're often able 
to go because their heart is open, their heart is laid bare. The Bible says that when the spirit of prophecy comes, when, these, when we're operating these gifts, people's hearts are laid bare and they're open to receiving the, the gospel. Now, I don't know that I'll have time to go into it all tomorrow or not, but even as a, just for a few protocol things, when I, I go out into the town or whatever, and if I ever operate in this gift in a place like that, I don't walk up to somebody and go, hi, my name is Amy, I have a, I'm a Christian, and I have a word of God for you. Because what if I'm wrong, you know? So I usually try just to be as chill and normal as possible. I'm just like, hey, my name's Amy. This is really crazy, but um, do you have a son that's this old? And they're like, yeah, why do you know him? No, actually, I don't. Is this going on in his life? Wait, are you a psychic? No, actually, I'm not. I'm a Christian. And then I tell them that part. If I'm like, do you have a son that's this old? Nope. Do you have a son at all? Nope. My bad, wrong person. I just keep going. Okay? Why? No big deal. I don't have to make it. So if I make it all, like, spooky and weird, first of all, that's, no, that's weird. Second of all is that I'm not going to throw God under the bus here. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's ways to do it without being, you know, like, I have a word of the Lord for you. You know, and they're like, oh, my gosh, you freak. And then, you, you know, you tell them all this stuff and none of it's right. So just start by, hey, this is crazy, but, you know, is this your mother's name kind of stuff. Whatever God may you feel like God gives you, you don't have to do this whole, you know, disclaimer announcement, especially when it's somebody that doesn't know you. It's a little bit different in these environments because we're used to it. And so it's not as like you're not going to do something hey, I feel like God said this, you say it to them, and they're like, no, no, that's true. Then you're like, well, I'm learning. Thanks for the grace, you know. But when you're out in the public and you don't know if someone's a believer or not, try to be as normal as you can. But we see that God opens up people's hearts. I've had many of these in my life, and they're all amazing, fun stories. Some of them crazy stories of how God opens these things up in people's hearts. We also see it, and I'll talk a bit more about it, but we see it connected to the gift of healing. So even though it's in this category, we do see the word of knowledge oftentimes connected to the gift of healing because God will reveal to you what is in the room that he wants to heal. And he'll do that through your own physical body. Oftentimes we're here, a part of your own body has a pain or a sensation or something where you feel like the Lord is highlighting to you, hey, does someone in here have a pain here or dealing with this, they say yes, you pray for them, they're healed, your pain goes away. So we often see the word of knowledge can be related to healing as well. Um, it's very, uh, for those that are called into areas of freedom and, and you know, deliverance types of ministries, we see this one a lot because we'll get stuck and we don't know why someone's not getting breakthrough and the Lord will reveal to us something in their past that is what the area is. So somebody comes to me and says, I've I'm having night terrors. I mean, just demonic, horrible night terrors. I'm like, okay. And I've prayed and prayed. I don't know what to do. What's going on? I'm like, okay, let's ask the Lord. Pray. I see a picture. I'm like, I see you sitting on a couch. You're sitting with maybe your brother and you're watching a horror movie. It looks like you're about this old. Did that happen? Yeah. That's your open door. That's where fear came into your life. So we just pray. We close that thing. Then get free. I've had many, many times over the years that we get stuck in a moment and we don't know why something's not breaking through and God will reveal to somebody in the team what it is and we ask them if it's true. Yes, it's true. So we see it in so many areas where the words of knowledge, evangelism, healing, inner healing, freedom, encouragement, uh, whatever it might be that he wants to use that. 
But again, it's information about people's present or past or not even people, locations. Like there's oftentimes partly what I do because I go into regions and nations is that sometimes the Lord will reveal to me things that have taken place in that area that will help us get the breakthrough for what God wants to do. And I'll say, hey, was is this happened on the, this land? Those kinds of things. Yes, that's all true. Okay, we need to pray through this to get the freedom for what God wants to do. So there's many ways that God can use this. Now, for a word of wisdom, this one's a little can be a little bit trickier in this, is that if you are giving, if God has given you this gift, and you're giving people counsel and wisdom supernaturally on something that's in the future, but it's somebody that you don't know and maybe never will see again, you're not going to know if you're right or wrong, right? So you got to always make sure that you grow and that you're not giving someone crazy direction for their life, but that you're learning and walking with God in this. Now, an example, I always use the same ones because they're real and they're helpful, but, you know, like praying for someone. Um, and I told you that I work in the spheres of the business and sometimes with athletes and people in the entertainment industry. Now, these are like sometimes million-dollar decisions that they're about to make. The last thing I want to do is mess with someone's career. You know what I'm saying? Like, hmm, I think I'll try this out. <laughs> yeah, that's puts the fear of God in me big time. But there are times that I have worked with people where the Lord just speaks to me and I say, hey, I see that in the next three months that these four opportunities are going to open to you. And you're not going to know which direction to go in. And when those four opportunities come, I feel like here's the wisdom on to know the direction. I feel like the Lord's saying that you're to pray with these two people and the Lord's going to speak. Or it might be, you know, I see that you're going to be accepted to four universities. Uh, true story on one of them, I was working with an NFL player, and I'm like, hey, I see that this is what's going to happen. You're going to be uh, given offers by this many teams, and you're going to wonder which one to take. It's all going to happen suddenly, and how you're going to know is actually your agent has wisdom this time, and your agent's going to get super excited about one of those teams, and you're going to know it. I remember his wife on the other end of the phone going, it's literally happening right now. All those things just happened. He's on the phone, and his agent's freaking out. Thank you so much. They knew what to do, and it was awesome. I was like, whew. But, you know, if that didn't happen, but I've been doing this a long time, right? So, but just examples of here's what's coming, but here's the wisdom for what's coming. Now, sometimes it can be where the person tells you, hey, this is what I'm going through, and I don't know what to do. And you pray with them, and you feel like, well, I'm just submitting this to you, but here's what I hear the Lord saying in this. This is what I believe the Lord is saying. And there's times where you could know some information, but you're still hearing for the future. Does that make sense? Any questions on word of wisdom or word of knowledge? Yeah, there is a difference between a prophet, but she just said that because, you know, like a lot of people just operate in a small amount of word, you know, a little bit of word. It's like somebody saying, are you a psychic? You know what I mean? So that was her way of, he is, you know, he's Jesus. So, but a prophet is different in that um, a prophet, they talk about the fivefold, the office of the fivefold ministry is the prophet, the apostle, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. And it says that they've been anointed for the equipping of the saints. And so what that means is they have an authority on their life, a grace on their life to actually create an atmosphere for the equipping of the saints. Most people are the saints. Most people are not those five. They may be prophetic, but there's not as many that are actual prophets. There may be a very evangelistic, but a five-fold office of an evangelist is someone like Todd White 
would be Daniel, uh, Daniel Kalenda, very much so, Reinhard Bonnke, Billy Graham. Those would be what we talk about as the office of an evangelist because they've been anointed. So you have to have the favor of God and the favor of man. No one can self-appoint them something. People are like, I'm a prophet. <laughs> Says who, right? So yeah, I could be, I wasn't, you know, it's like I knew that this was the calling of my life, but it wasn't until the day that Lauren Cunningham said, Amy, we recognize this on your life, and we release you in this mission to be that. Then I had both the favor of God, which I had for a long time, but then I really had the favor of man and the permission of the leader in that place to operate, right? So 10 years, you know, in the making. It took many, many years. But all to say, Lauren is a, an apostle. Capital A, office of apostle. Yeah, 5 million person missions movement. And I think so, right? So you have people that are in those places that it's more than they're just operating in that gifting, they actually have an authority. So put it this way, and I'm not saying this in anything about me. When I am present because of who I am, there's actually a prophetic anointing that comes into the room and equips you. So when I am present, people can prophesy at a higher level than when I'm not present sometimes because of the grace of my life. So it's when Andy Bird speaks, everyone signs up to go. That's why he's leading the send. That's why Lou picked him to lead the send. It's like, I've, he's my, one of my best friends in the whole world. I've heard every message. I could hear it 10 more times and get just as gripped because he's anointed as an apostle in our generation. He would never call himself that, but that is what he is, right? And so you see different people. It's like I could try to lead people to Jesus all day long, but when Todd White's there, it's like, dear Lord, you know, you're just like, how in the world? But he, he, but he releases an evangelistic anointing that equips all the evangelists, right? And especially if that is your primary calling, when you get around someone that's actually in the office of one of these gifts and everything in you comes alive. So right now with this week, for all the prophetic people, your spirit's freaking out. Yeah, for all the people that like truly are called to lead in a certain way, when Andy is present and certain people like that, I mean, we all get gripped. It doesn't matter who you are. But there's some of you that it's different, and you can't explain it. It's like you identify in a different way. That doesn't mean you're going to become an apostle. It just means that, that that grace on his life activates what's inside of you. Some of you get around the evangelist, and you're like, everything in you is screaming. It's like fire in your bones where you can't contain it because that's actually part of the grace that's on your life. But the grace that's coming off his life brings that into So only a few, this is my opinion, and this is what I believe I would... I've studied this for a long time. This is just what I, other people would tell you something maybe different, but this is what I do believe. And so I don't believe that the majority of people are called into those places, though I do believe that we're all called to operate in these. Does that make sense? Okay. Any more questions on the word of wisdom and word of knowledge? Just those. Okay. Right there. Yeah. We'll see how far we get. I do a whole other teaching just on the how to do all of this, like the do's and the don'ts of it. So this is what, real quick, we never do. And any prophetic, we never say, the Lord says, because we could be wrong. We're people. We're learning. So you'll, the Lord, you know, the, and don't say, thus saith the Lord, because we don't talk in King James, okay? <laughs> so what I would always say, I believe the Lord is saying, I feel like the Lord is saying, I sense the Lord is saying, because you're always giving yourself room to be wrong because you're human, right? And you're learning and growing, and God expects us to make mistakes when we're learning and growing. Yes. 
feel like God has this anointing over your life, and that if we're completely wrong, that should be more hurtful than encouraging. So if you keep the New Testament prophecy is encouraging, comforting, and exhorting. So in every way that we operate in these gifts, it has to be encouraging, comforting, and exhorting so that when we're wrong, we're not damaging people. So we're not giving people like major direction for their life. That word of wisdom is saying, here's what's coming. Here's what I believe is the answer. But you're always saying, you got to weigh and test this. I have a whole other teaching just on the prophetic and how we walk that out. So we always keep it encouraging, comforting, and exhorting. So you would never say to somebody, I, the Lord's saying to sell your house and move to this country. You would never do that unless you were maybe a prophet and you have a season's for a long, long time of being very accurate. And even then, you'd have to weigh and test it. I've had more wrong prophetic words given to me than I've had right prophetic words given to me. And some of them by people in the office of a prophet. And one day I watched one come, a prophet coming towards me. I leaned over to my buddy and I said, he's about to give me a word and it's going to be wrong. He goes, are you serious? I go, watch. Sure enough, walks up to me and gives me a wrong word. He goes, how'd you know? I'm like, God gave me a heads up because God wanted to know if I trusted his voice more than any other voice. And... I'm always walking in accountability with Andy, Brian Brent, my husband, and uh, Holly and Christy. So there are times where I've got to weigh and test it. And that's a whole other subject. But um, to this is that we all hear his voice, right? But we also have a filter. It's called our soul. (laughs) It's called our emotions. Sometimes it's our fear. Sometimes it's our insecurities that we filter things through. The more that we are aligned with Jesus, the more, the higher the odds are that you're going to be right. Right? But so sometimes it's like, yeah, God's speaking, but you just filtered it through something else. Or you actually didn't hear God speak. You just picked up on something on somebody and thought it was God. What you can do because we're sensitive and spiritual people. So in hearing God's voice, everybody hears God's voice that's a Christian, but everybody can be wrong because you have the, your own desires and your own thoughts and your own things involved. Right? So that's just, that's why we always have to take it to the Lord. Yeah. I wouldn't say they're misplaced prophets. I would say that psychics are hearing, and the enemy knows a whole lot of stuff too. He can't, he can't see the future, but he can speak the future in the sense of this. Oftentimes they're cursing you to come to pass. The enemy's trick. He comes to deceive, right? Kill, steal, and destroy. So, no, they're not misplaced prophets. There could be some that are, but I would say the majority of them have tapped into another source, and that's what they're listening to. Would they get radically saved? And then could they be prophetic? They could be, but I'm not saying that's not necessarily an automatic. There's a whole bunch of verses in the Bible that talks about sorcerers. So we can help you out. Yeah. Anything else? All right. I'm moving then to discerning of spirits. Sorry. All right. Dun-dun-dun, discerning of spirits. Probably spend the rest of the morning on this one. Okay, discerning of spirits as the supernatural ability to see, sense, feel, hear, however it is that you receive revelation into the spirit world. So we have to remember this, is that we are like three-dimensional, some people say four, whatever, but God is multidimensional. And it says that one day this world's going to pass away, but his world never passes away. So... When I said that I was a seer, 
as I, I don't see very much now, things change in your life, but, but there's a spiritual realm going on right now, right around us, all the time, everywhere, in the whole world, always. And so we have to know there's activity, good and bad, right? It's always going to be there. It's more real than this one, to be honest with you. <laughs> so somebody that has the ability to see, sense, feel, hear, you're discerning what's happening in that spirit world. That sounds kind of weird in a way, but it's real. So it's nothing to do with the human. Oops. Wrong one. Uh, so you have the ability at times. Not No one is all-knowing. No one is all-seeing. No one is all-discerning, okay? At times, you have the ability to sense, see, feel, hear the angelic or the demonic. Sometimes it's, it's to discern the condition of the human spirit, both good or bad. And I'll explain it. So the actual word to discern means to distinguish, to perceive, or to differentiate. So what it actually means is to know what's going on behind a spiritual manifestation. So the true gift of discernment is when there's a spiritual activity, whether it be you feeling it or everyone's feeling it, something that's spiritual that's happening, the person with the discernment of spirit gifts has the ability from God to know what is going on behind the spiritual activity. So that's to know this is what this is. The discernment of spirits knows the difference between. So it's the God-given ability or an enablement to recognize the identity of the spirits which are behind different manifestations or activities. It is not the gift of suspicion or speculation. It is not fault-finding or judging people. It is not the discernment of someone's character. Okay? So a really great example, and I love this because it's so helpful, is in Acts 16, verse 17 and 18. This is Paul, and this is a great example of the discernment of the spirits. So in this story is when Paul and the disciples are walking around the city, and there's this girl, and she's following them around, and she's yelling out. She's going, these men are servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Let me read it. She followed Paul and cried, saying, these men are servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And she did it for many days. So this is a couple days now that this girl's following around Paul and the disciples, yelling this out. Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And it came out of her in that same hour. Now, here's what's so interesting. Is what she was saying true? Yes, these are servants of the most high God. It took Paul a couple days to figure it out, which I love. <laughs> he didn't know. But something after a couple days of this girl following around the city, screaming this out, he goes, something behind her yelling this isn't right. And he cast a demon out of her. And like, that is so interesting. But Paul being grieved in his spirit, that means the Holy Spirit, his spirit goes, what is behind the manifestation of this girl yelling these things out, though they're true, they're not negative, and they're not bad, is still not God. And then he cast a demon out of her, and it came out of her. So the discernment of spirits is probably one of the mis most misunderstood gifting because people have really greatly misrepresented it. Okay, depending on your background and all of this, you know, some of you in this may be all new and some of you maybe not. But again, the discernment of spirit gift is not to know what's wrong. It's just to know what it, what it is. So I've been, you know, ministry for 20, over 20 years now. 
and have been praying for people for that long. And I have seen the craziest manifestations you could imagine, both good and bad. I mean, stuff that would, yeah, <laughs> crazy stuff. Let's just put it that way. And sometimes, though, when God is doing something, it looks similar to almost when somebody's going through freedom. So let's say I'm praying for somebody, and they begin to shake. Maybe not violently, they're just shaking. That could be the Holy Spirit power that's coming upon them, and their body's responding to power, and they're shaking. They could be shaking because there's something that's reacting inside of them that they need freedom in. They both could be this, the case. Now, I happen to have this gift, so it's helpful. But I have this one more sometimes than any of them, and so because probably the type of ministry that I end up doing. But I have walked up on many situations where somebody is having a, uh, a spiritual encounter um, in a setting like yesterday, and they're reacting, and their physical body's reacting. And people are standing over them going, more Lord, more Lord. I'm like, excuse me, that ain't the Lord. <laughs> and then they get, go through deliverance, and they're like, whoa, well, that wasn't Holy Spirit right there. That was the enemy <laughs> trying, they're, they're about to go through freedom. Then I've seen the exact opposite, where I'm like, someone's trying to pray something off of someone. I'm like, leave them alone. <laughs> there it is, it's just God. I have a buddy that's, he's, he's like huge, big old, he was a, like a college wrestler, big old guy, and he got radically saved, and when he got saved, he like, is like the lover of, you know, Mary of Bethany at Jesus' feet, he's like the softest teddy bear, when he gets in the presence, he just cries, because he just loves Jesus, he's the tenderest guy, so many people walk up to him in the prayer room and be like, no condemnation, brother, let that shame go. He's like, get off me. I'm not ashamed. I'm not in condemnation. I love him. You know, and so the manifestation of tears wasn't pain. It was love. So what's behind that manifestation of tears? Could be pain. Could be love. Now, I'll see a lot of times, too, is that in really in places of intense power hits a room, sometimes there's the manifestation of people are screaming. And they're like, oh, gosh, that's a demon. I'm like, no, actually, it's not a demon. It's pain. They don't need to be delivered from a demon. They need inner healing because they were abused. And so when that love hits that, that neglect and that abuse, there's a reaction sometimes where the pain is coming out. They don't need to go through deliverance. They need to go through inner healing. So the thing is that we don't ever want to assume. We've got to ask the Holy Spirit, what is going on behind this? Say you're on outreach, you know. You wake up in the morning. It's breakfast time. You're all looking at your team. Looks like y'all got hit by a train last night. You're like, what the heck is wrong with all you guys? I don't know. I, you know? You're like, first you go natural. Y'all watch Netflix last night a little too late? That's just the spirit of stupid. <laughs> Make better choices. Can't pray that one off you. Right? But they're like, no, we all went to bed. You know, we all got, there's no reason for this. Okay. What, Holy Spirit, what is going on behind this weariness, behind this heaviness? Pray. You might, not even, you might not even necessarily know. You're in a country you've never been. There's crazy stuff going on. You're in the Middle East. You know, it's like what, there's all kinds of things that are happening. But you're like, well, I don't know exactly what it is, but it's definitely spiritual warfare. The next question is, Holy Spirit, what do we do? You don't just want to be like, I take over the spirit of Islam. I command you to. You're going to be there all day, Okay. <laughs> So, Holy Spirit, what do you want us to do? 
God, I just feel like the Holy Spirit said, finish up our breakfast, and we're going to meet in the prayer room. We're going to worship high praise and declare who he is for 30 minutes. It will break, and we'll go on with our day. It does. Most, you know, most of the time that he wants to speak that way. And so instead of going, guys, we're under attack. It's heavy. God. You know, you're just like, holy smokes, you know. I'm like, run. Okay. It doesn't have to be like that. So some of you discerners, <laughs> you can be happy. God didn't give people gifts to make you sad. Just carrying the burden of the Lord. I thought it said his yoke is easy and his burden is light because you do not look good. <laughs> it's different when you're walking down the street and you all of a sudden Holy Spirit hits you and you hear, turn left. You're not like, oh my God, if I turn right, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. Like, that's called fear. That's not how he talks, okay? Oh my gosh, what do I do? He's like, Holy Spirit, I think that's you. I'm going to turn left, right? That's like being led by the Holy Spirit. And you don't, well, what would happen if you turn right? We'll never know. Or maybe you will. You find out something happened the next day. Like, you have to be sensitive to the Lord. But it's not like, guys, there's a demon behind every bush. It's going to get us. You know, it's like, okay. So everybody goes in the prayer room, and like 10 of you are like, holy, holy. And there's one person over there going, ah! You're like, no, everyone's like, can she stay home today? <laughs> but here's what you got to do. You got to have grace for each other, right? So all of you feelers, listen, I'm the highest feeler in the room, just so you know. How do I know all this stuff? Because I've been there before. So I get that. But here's the deal, is that we get to be seated with Christ in heavenly places. So when we start to feel things, we got to do it from the position of him. Going, okay, I feel it. But what's, what's heaven's perspective? But a lot of us that are feelers and discerners, they get, we get stuck in what we call second heaven where the spiritual warfare is. And we're trying like, oh, my gosh, this is so hard. This is so heavy. Listen, we are, our giftings are not in control of us. So that means that I can walk in a room and I can feel a whole lot of things and not be like, I feel so depressed because everyone in here is depressed. Like, I can rise up and go... I know the answer <laughs> to this depression. So you go, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. God has called me to walk in these places. And you're like, pretty soon you start to bring heaven to earth because you can feel what's going on. But instead of being Eeyore, you end up being Aslan. You know what I'm saying? Like those sorts of things. <laughs> Come on, guys. So discernment. You gotta be super careful in this is that we never use our feelings and discernment to ever gossip, a slander, and create division. Ever, ever, ever. Okay? So, what can happen is some of you are learning, right? So, you're like, I don't know, man, that person makes me feel weird. I feel uncomfortable, make me feel weird. Then you go to your roommate. Do you feel weird when you're on this person? You do too, huh? Okay. Pretty soon. Get your other roommate. Pretty soon you got five people feeling weird about one person. And all you're doing is you're creating rejection, division, slander, and gossip. And there's a high chance that what you're actually discerning isn't right. You're actually discerning the plan of the enemy over their life, and it's not actually them at all. 
Now, it's a little different. So let's say this. I'm going there, guys. If you have pain in your life, let's say that you've been abused. Let's say you've been sexually abused. Sometimes you get around something and you're like, it makes you so uncomfortable because you recognize something, a spirit. And you're like, but you got to know that, okay, I'm in pain still, or this is a sensitive area. It doesn't mean you completely ignore it. It just means you do the right thing with it. So if ever I feel so like warning, uncomfortable, don't be with this person, I'm going to listen to that. I'm not going to, you know, but I'm going to go to a leader. Like in this environment, it's different. If I'm out in the, I really pay attention to it when I'm not in an environment like this, right? I'm not in fear of my safety in any way here. But if I have warning signs in every way, and I know what that thing is, that I'm going to pay attention to it. But let's just say it's somebody that's a student. If it's like super overwhelming to you, you go to your leader. And you say, I could be totally wrong on this. I don't even know what's going on. But this is how this is making me feel. And I'm not sure what to do with it. That leader's responsibility is to hear you, and we're all trained in this, to pay attention to that, but to do our own investigation and to look into things. So if anyone comes to me ever as a leader, especially because I'm a leader on this campus, and they tell me something like that, I'm going to look into it. But I'm not going to, like, slander this person or, you know, because what if they're just picking up on the lie over the person's life? And I'm going to use one more, an example of rejection. The nature of rejection is that you've been rejected, Right? So it's like my life, you know, I was rejected a lot throughout my life in a lot of ways. So I, rejection is one of the enemies of my soul. Self-hatred is one of the enemies of my soul. And so I fight this thing. And people still reject me. I still encounter it to this day. It's, but the, some people, it's like, that's not their fault. Most, none of it was my fault. I didn't act and behave in a way that would make somebody reject me. They just did. It's the enemy trying to take me out. But what happens is that people that have been really rejected and they haven't gone through inner healing yet, oftentimes they wear that like a coat. <laughs> you can tell. Sometimes they're super socially awkward. Some of you went, that's why I'm that way? No. <laughs> Honestly, it's, you're socially awkward. Or sometimes it's that you're really aggressive. Oftentimes that would seem more that in men. Or the codependent or super needy. There's all kinds of different manifestations of rejection and insecurity. But... I really don't like rejection, and it's really hard for me sometimes to want to be around people that behave that way. First of all, I have to learn my own healthy boundaries so I'm not being brought into something that is not my place to be brought into. But here's the deal is why I see this a lot. Let's say your outreach team. There's one person on your outreach team that has that very strong rejection thing on them. You might not know that's what it is, but I'm just telling you. So... You're like, I don't know what it is about this person, but every time we want to go down on Ali'i and get shave ice, we just hope that they don't hear about it because we don't want them to come. Because just when they're there, it just feels weird. I don't know what it is. I don't want to be that person's friend. Every time they get near me, I just feel like, ah. Well, what is that? You're feeling the assignment of rejection over that person's life. If you're not careful, you're going to buy into the very lie that's brought in there in the first place. Okay? So you sometimes we say, well, it's the Holy Spirit telling me. Mm, probably not. There's a good chance it's not the Holy Spirit telling you not to include that person. It doesn't really sound like him, right? And it's a temporary season of your life. Guess what? Everyone on your team is on your team. That's kind of how it goes. As a leader, I don't get to pick who I lead. <laughs> so guess what? I get all kinds of people in my life that I'm like, I wouldn't have picked them. But boy, he sure likes to collect them around me. 
And my job oftentimes is not to correct them, but to love them through that because they've never actually had anybody love them. They've only ever had somebody reject them and not try to correct them all the time. And then there gets to be a place where I gain that authority in their life to then bring the correction and freedom. And some of the leaders that lead on this very campus and our very schools, I've walked them through those processes and believed in them when maybe everybody else hadn't yet. And they've come to be some of the greatest leaders that I've ever seen before, honestly. I'm, I'm an example of even that, where people wouldn't give in to the rejection over my life. So you've got to be careful that you're not reading into the lie over someone's life and you're asking the Holy Spirit, what do I do in this situation? Now, right now, like you can imagine too, is that how every single day that I'm on this campus, somebody asks me to meet with them. Sometimes up to 10, 15 if I'm here for a couple hours. I can't. I don't have any more hours in the day. Literally no more hours in the day. If you saw my life, you'd wonder how I lived it because I do every day. So I just have to say no. Over and over and over and over again. Because I have already have all the people that God's told me who I'm meeting with and who I'm spending time with. And so they're like, I know that they're going to feel rejected if I say no. But I can't, I can't change what I know God has called me to do in this moment so that to feed their heart, right? But sometimes as a leader, I have to go, hey, I'm not rejecting you. I literally don't have any more time. I'm so sorry. And if I can, I'll give them a couple other names of people that might. So I'm not just, if I love, if I took on every rejected person, I'd be dead. So sometimes it's not my job to fix it, but I am supposed to walk in love. So I don't treat, I'm not, you know, one person's talking to me, the next person's talking to me. I'm rude to one and not the other. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we respond to things and we don't even know. Now here's the funnest one, crazy one. When you're rejected and they're rejected, it's a rejection party. So you got to be careful that you're walking in love and freedom and you're on that process does that make sense so when it comes to things something is from god holy spirit feelings feelings lie to us my feelings lie i am a feeler emotional i'm all of those things liars i don't trust my feelings all the time so i have to go holy spirit help right because i'm overwhelmed it could be all kinds of things and so i have to come into alignment with the word of god that's why the more you feel, the more you need to be grounded in the word. Because the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing between soul and spirit, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So I could do a whole week just on discernment. That's how deep it can be. But I just want to hit these things. Any questions on that one? And when I say any questions, I'm just going to ask for the sake of time. If you have a story, that's not what I mean. I mean a question. Okay? Yes. That's a great question. It was extremely distracting in the beginning to the point I did not know that I could actually shut it off and not like shut God off, but it's this place of the more you walk in maturity and relationship with him, the easier that becomes. So it's this beautiful dance between you and the Lord. I'm going, God, you can interrupt me at any time. But I know the difference of when it's God's interruption and me just being prophetic and picking up on what's going on. What you just described is you being prophetic and picking up what's going on. It's not actually God talking to you. It's just the prophetic ability inside of you. And that's the part that you can have control over in the sense of 
you, but it takes that rooting and grounding and that focus on him, and it takes time. We can maybe talk more about it some other time. Yeah. You're going to go there, aren't you? Um, yes, uh, yes, there is a lot of physical feelings that come with it. Now, listen, guys, I don't, I mean, I have, I know people that I deeply respect that write books on interpretation, okay, dream interpretation, symbolism, all that. But here's the thing. If I go to India, and I'm training Indians, the symbols to them mean something different to me than me, right? So we have to remember that, there's not one language of God. He's, he speaks every language. And that there's not one way to interpret something. So it's like if I see a picture like of, a, of a dog, that could be someone who's terrified of dogs. It could be it represents friendship because man's best friend's a dog. It could mean they have a dog. I mean, it could be many different things. So there's not one thing to this. So even what he's saying, I recognize sometimes what I'm dealing with by the physical feelings that I have. So witchcraft feels like a headache right around here. There's certain things that I, confusion, I know what I'm dealing with. I feel dizzy when there's a spirit of confusion. Um, sometimes certain pains in my body that will happen where I know what the spiritual warfare issue is. Sometimes it's the exact opposite. Some of you, I'm praying for you yesterday, and I'm feeling you know, good things for sure, but I'm feeling certain things that I know what that is because it's the language of God that he's taught me over many, many years of walking with him. So what I would say is that, you know, we can ask those questions and compare notes, but never automatically assume because I said it means that, that that's what it means. Do you know what I mean? That's what it means for me because God has taught me over many years of doing that. There is some commonality oftentimes, but you just want to be careful that we don't assume well, that means that for them, that means that for me. Yes. Okay. Who's he? She. I don't know. Just somebody ask a question. Go ahead. Yeah, that's actually a totally appropriate question to ask. There is mental illness, for sure. Now, there are a lot of people that are prophetic that think they're mentally ill. And they're not actually mentally ill. Now, there's a lot of people that think they're prophetic and they are mentally ill. <laughs> Shoot, just said that. <laughs> and if I'm really honest with you, I've seen an increase of the mentally ill more than I've ever seen it before. So... A lot of really, a lot of prophets that are no longer with us, a number of our most well-known prophets were actually in mental institutions at one point because they thought they were insane. Just like I did. I did. I thought I was like, I lost my mind. If I tell anybody what I'm seeing, right? It was real. Now, there's a difference. If someone is mentally insane because of addiction and they've done drugs for the last 15 years, and that's different. That's a whole different deal. But, I, but it's somebody that it's like, you know, guys, this, is, this question that you're asking me is extremely hard because as a leader, I have legal obligations and I have lots of obligations that I can't mess around with, right? So I can't try to deliver somebody that I need to take to the hospital. Sometimes I have to take them to the hospital and we'll figure it out as we go, right? So we don't ever want to err on, we got to be careful. We got to protect. These are people. So I've seen people completely set free from the demonic and they're no longer mentally ill. 
I've seen people that need to be on medication because there's some kind of imbalance. All to say it's from the devil. Okay? So we believe in healing. We believe in freedom. And we believe that if somebody has schizophrenia, they can be healed from it. Well, however they got there, still the answer is Jesus. Right? So very rarely do I meet someone that is legitimately, like, mentally ill. And I'm like, oh, you're not mentally ill. You're just prophetic. And then they're fine. Like, Oftentimes, there's still a process that has to go through of healing, freedom, and to get to that point where they're ever able to hear the Lord clearly. Does that make sense? Guys, I'm going to get scary on you. Okay. <laughs> so the word that we use for pharmaceuticals is the word called pharmakia. Pharmakia means witchcraft, okay? So when we subject ourselves to any type of drugs that are hallucinogenics in any way, we actually are participating in witchcraft. So if you have that background, all you have to do is repent, shut that door. But I have had people on meth write me while on meth and read my mail. But they're hearing from the devil because they put themselves in an altered state. They're not hearing from God, but they're hearing, and it's accurate, and it will freak you out. But see, I know what they're doing is they're, they're operating in witchcraft, and they're hearing the enemy, because it's all, it's not the future, it's present. They're going, this is what's happening in your life right now. And you're like, oh, that's true. The enemy told them that. And they altered themselves. Oh, I'm about to get one more crazy on you, right? I don't care what's legal, not legal. I think that marijuana is a counterfeit Holy Spirit. Now, here's the deal. I totally think for certain medical cancer, we're dealing with different stuff, right? When I was put in the hospital with my tumor, they put me on, you know, like some kind of narcotic that's a painkiller. And I'm like, I can see clearly now the rain is gone. Ah! I was freaking out. Like, Andy, make it stop. He's like, I don't know what to do. It was crazy. You don't put a C or narcotics. It's not real great. (laughs) Was I operating in witchcraft? No. Okay? Like, there has to be... Now, if I was addicted to them, that would be different. Do you understand? Like, I've had so many surgeries that I've had to do that. Now, also, like this, is it's called I never mix the spirits in the sense of there's times where I've had to be on a medication for pain. I will never prophesy when I'm under any type of that because I just always want a pure flow. So if someone calls me, I'm sorry right now. I just got out of surgery. I'm on this. I will not operate my gifting while I'm on any type of alter in any way if I have to do it for medical reasons. Do you understand? So when I say this about marijuana, here's the deal is that, yes, there's some people with seizures, all that stuff, I get it. Most of those people aren't prophets either. So it's different when you need a medication for something. But if you're just trying to relax, it's called the comforter, Holy Spirit. If it helps you in social settings, it's called the comforter, Holy Spirit. I, you know, all this stuff, people, oh man, if you are under the, you know, influence of something and you're hearing all of a sudden come on now don't trust it people are like yeah but that's how I got saved that's different God can interrupt and sober you up in one second and grip you but you just don't want to mess with that we don't have time for this we get to hear from the almighty God we get to go to the holy of holies we get to stand before the throne with boldness we have access to all these supernatural gifts why in the world would you want to Alter yourself in some way that would actually bring mixture. It's called strange fire, okay? It's a mixture. It's not from God. And so, listen, I'm around. I have relatives that have to use certain things because of fibromyalgia and all of that. There's grace. 
But anytime we're just doing it because we like how it makes us feel, we're not pressing into the fullness of who he is. Okay? So when I'm saying all this is, yeah, the enemy, he, he's always trying to deceive us. How great would it be? He's like, it's okay. Just eat the fruit from the tree. Think about what that is. The, tr- the knowledge of good and evil. Just, it's okay. You'll be like God. It's the first deception, guys. It's okay. You can do that. We don't, want, we don't have time for that. You're the generation that's going to see the great permission fulfilled, right? Okay. All right. It's getting me wild over here. Let's see what time it is. Okay. So any questions on discernment of spirits? <laughs> yes. How can you discern if it's something going on with you, a person, or in the room? Ask the Holy Spirit. So here's the deal. Is guys, you're going to hear one answer from me in most, or certain questions. Holy Spirit, why am I feeling like this? Is there something I need to correct in me? Is there an alignment moment? Do I, did I open a door? Okay. Not that. Is there something in the room that you want to show me? Okay. Who? That person. All right. Now what do I do? He goes, just pray for him. Like, go p- pray for them? No. Don't ever let him know you know. Just pray for them. God has to know if he can trust you. Hey, friends, I just, you know, God told me about that person in a room. Like, he can't trust you. There are certain times, though, that he says, yeah, go tell everybody. You have to, so it's like there's a place of I want to be the friend of God. That's like my greatest thing is to walk with the Holy Spirit. There's times where he says, Amy, you see that person over there? I'm like, yeah, this has happened. He, and he says, you want to know what I think about them? I'm like, sure. First of all, God's never said, you want to know what I think about them? They disgust me. <laughs> never, ever has God said something like that to me before. I'm angry with them. Nothing. He doesn't, it's not who he is. So if you ever hear that kind of sound, it's not God. Okay. So he tells me something amazing. I'm like, awesome. You want me to go tell him? He goes, no. I'm like, why'd you tell me then? He goes, because we're friends. I tell my secrets to my friends. Sometimes he goes, hey, Amy, you're going to meet this person, and you're going to give him a word one day. I'm like, oh, really? Years will go by. All of a sudden, that day comes. I'm like, God told me three years ago I was going to meet this person, and I already know what the word is from three years ago. Wow. But I never went and looked for them, never tried to do it until the divine orchestration of God. So in this place of Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, what do you want me to do? Why do I feel this? What should my response be? Sometimes it's like, girl, that's all you right now. I'm like, oh, I need to go spend some time with Jesus. Right? And, God, and you know, this is just, you know, real talk. Ladies, sometimes it's just certain times of the month. You can't trust anything, okay? <laughs> I don't know why everything seems to be just dark. Honey, that ain't spiritual warfare. It's just part of the curse, but you can pray. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, fill up the whole world. Never mind. Never mind. (laughs) Just be real. Okay, any more questions? Yes.
Read Keep Your Love On by Danny Silk. It's one of the best books I've ever read on healthy boundaries, okay? So there's a thing about when you feel, though. It's, like, hard for me. I don't go home for vacation personally because I feel it all, right? And some of my family's not walking with the Lord. I go home because that's what love looks like, right? So it's, like, I would never personally go on vacation to Las Vegas. That's, like, a nightmare for me, okay? That, that's my, my personal vacation destination, but I've gone to Las Vegas many times on assignments from God, speaking on YOM basis, all of that. So there's no place I can't go when God says to go there and gives me that grace. When you're living with it, sometimes it's more challenging and you got to go, okay, what does love look like? What does healthy boundaries look like? There's a combination of those things. But remember that your emotions are in control of you. So that's the part is that I can do this. There's a grace. Like I have friends that are, got married before they were saved and one spouse is saved and one spouse is not saved. Well, they don't get to divorce because one got saved and one's not saved. My parents have been together for 40, you know, years now. And my dad's not walking with the Lord. My poor mom, what she's been through for 40 years, she even has real grounds for it. But that's what love looks like. And she's got to figure it out as she goes. Sometimes that's, you know, the road that we, we have to walk because of sin in the earth. So there's times where God's grace is on people to be married to someone that's not a, not followed Jesus. Do you know what I mean? So you have to know what that grace is on your life. All right, yes, sir. No, not necessarily. If you're having demonic experiences because you're on drugs, it doesn't mean you're a seer. Okay? If you're a seer, you're going to know you're a seer. No one that's ever one. Am I wonder if I'm a seer? If you're seeing, you're a seer. If you don't see, you're not. It's like that. But if you're in an altered state because of something you've taken, that's doesn't, that doesn't count. Right? So you got to know that. Yeah. Yes. So for me, I don't see very often anymore. I, I just, but my ability to know what's going on in the room is higher than it was even when I was not, than I was seeing, as crazy as that is. Partly I think the Lord had mercy on me and YWAM um, because to your point, it's very distracting and I have to lead the whole Ohana court and sometimes the send, you know what I'm saying? So can you imagine if I didn't, I did see actually at the send where I could see the angelic coming in. You know, there's moments that I can see those things, but uh, that it does change. And oftentimes, remember when some of you are little and you're like, I know I saw the boogeyman, right? And your parents are like, there's no such thing. You probably did. It's just a demon. Because it, it comes to scare kids, right? So when a kid says, I'm seeing something, I always believe them. till I figure out what's going on. So a lot of you as children had probably things happen and you were just told it was your imagination. There's a difference between your imagination and what you're actually seeing happen. Some of you just went, oh boy. <laughs> but, it, right? It's so a lot of children, I've worked with a lot of seeing children over the years. And oftentimes when they go through the age of like right, like right before puberty, they will quit seeing unless they, they've been cultivated in their gifting. Because something shifts and unless they've been raised in that environment, they often don't anymore. Just what I've seen over the years. Oh boy. Yep. No, um, unless God has sovereignly ordained you to be a seer. 
someone that's never seen. This is the deal, guys, is again, God is sovereign. And right now, he could open your eyes and you could have an open vision and then you never see for the rest of your life anything like that again. Didn't make you a seer, made you have an encounter for one time, right? So at any moment, he can let any of us see in the spirit and it may never happen again. It might happen five times in your life. A seer is someone that every single day or very frequently, this is what's going on. Seeing is not a gift. It's just how you receive revelation. Some people hear, some people see, some people feel, some people know. That's not the gift. These are the gifts. Seeing is just how, the, how you get the information to operate in the gifts. So if you're not a seer, you shouldn't want to be one unless God wants you to be one. There's a reason why you're not. If you are, say, Lord, if this is something that's happened in my life when I was a child or if any way I've shut it down, I just pray that you would activate it again. He will. He's that good. There's not, I know that some people will teach you something different. I won't because I actually think it can lead to weirdness because people are straining and you can get in your flesh and striving. So it's like either you do or you don't. That's my opinion on it. Now, there are people that have grown, but it was always there. Does that make sense? Okay. Right back here. First of all, you have to know what your position is. I'm the leader in the room. So I have a different authority than any of you in the room outside of the staff. And even then, I have an authority as the base leader or one of the base elders to be able to do these things. So a lot of times in all my years, I see stuff all the time that I have no business addressing. It's not my role. It's not my assignment. I'm not supposed to. So if they're my disciples, if you will, if they're under my covering or under my leadership, then I have to ask the Lord in the timing of that, right? I'm responsible for the room or something like that. So you just got to know what your position is. So you guys remember I told you I did my DTS when I was 27 years old. I didn't do any of that stuff because it wasn't my role. So I wasn't talking to other students about what was going on. Could I see it? Uh-huh. Did I know? Mm-hmm. But I didn't, that wasn't my, my job. It actually would have been appropriate for me to do that in that moment. So you just got to know what your season is and what God's called you to do. Anytime, especially if it's confrontational in any way. And, guys, I would never walk up to somebody and be like, this is what you did last night. I mean, it would take me, it would take a lot for me to do that. I would have to know that I know that I know. I usually try to go up and say, hey, what happened last night? I'm always trying to get them to say something, not me tell them what I'm saying. Does that make sense? So there's ways that you can say things without ever directly this is, you know, because that's heavy. It can be accusation. It can be all of these things. So we've got to be very careful. What does love look like in this situation? It's as simple as repentance. And sometimes it's repentance and healing. Because there's a re- reality to this, guys, is that, I mean, I, my own son, so I can talk from real experience, there's a renewing of your mind. That takes place. Like, sometimes it's, it's actually physical. Your mind's actually being literally regenerate, regenerated, right? God's healing it. It's like you, you view something. It's like if somebody was, you know, extremely overweight, and then you lose weight. It, like, takes time sometimes to get into physical shape again. Well, when you've hurt your brain for that long, sometimes it takes time. Sometimes God heals you instantly, and sometimes it's a process. But I was talking to somebody recently about the Jesus movement because a lot of people were doing LSD and acid and all of that, and they were getting radically saved, and the boy was in a mess. But they said over time, 
you know, not, it didn't even take that long, but you started to see them coming out of the fog, the haziness, all of that, as their mind was being renewed. And I've actually heard a lot of people say the fastest way for that to happen for people in that background is actually reading the Bible. Um, and I, yeah, just reading the Bible is one of the most healing things that, that I've heard people do. Even uh, some of you will be around and see him, but Dan Bauman uh, is one of our uh, friends and leaders in YWAM, and he actually had an accident where he f- fell off a cliff and his brain fell out, and he's, a, he's literally a miracle. But reading the word is, and praying in tongues, actually, they say praying in tongues, they've scientifically proven it. They've done studies on people's brains while they're praying in tongues, and a different part of your brain lights up that doesn't light up any other time. Just saying. So he's, Dan will say, praying in his prayer language healed his brain, where the top surgeons go, how in this did this happen? Reading the word, praying in the spirit, that kind of things. Is That's the renewing of your mind. Yeah. So there's hope. Lots of it. All right. I'm going to keep moving. You guys all right? You need to stand up and stretch or anything? Are you guys good? You want we, got, we got another half hour to go. Okay, I'm going to move into faith, healing, and miracles. It's going to be fun. All right. So we'll move into the power gifts. If there, I just want to say this. If there's anybody in here that's like scared all of a sudden because you're like, oh, crap. I think I did some stuff. I didn't realize what I was doing. All this, your next one-on-one, it's not a big deal. You just literally pray, walk through there. It's not, you know, God is good, okay? He got you here. You're already saved. I mean, you're not doing, think about it. He's going to get you. He's going to complete the work that he started, okay? So there's no reason for fear. No one's disqualified. None of that stuff. I mean, you should hear Sunno's story. Okay, the power gifts are the ways that God uses to release his supernatural power through us, his church, to destroy the works of the enemy and see people's lives restored to wholeness and healing. All right, so the reason we say that is most of the time that we need these gifts, it's because something needs to be brought whole or healed or aligned, those sorts of things. So the gift of faith is a supernatural manifestation, remember showing forth, by the Holy Spirit, Supplying unlimited faith in a specific situation to achieve supernatural results. So when this special wonder-working faith is manifested in your life, God supernaturally empties you of all doubt and unbelief. You know that you know. And that faith usually results in a healing or a miracle. So everybody in here that's a follower of Jesus has faith. And it's not that faith. It's not the general faith that we all possess as believers it's supernatural. It's, the, it's a gift that comes on you at a certain moment. It's not natural human faith. Every Christian has faith, but every Christian does not have the gift of faith. So it would be for, it's a, it comes on you for a, a moment to achieve a supernatural result. So usually someone with the gift of faith oftentimes then has another gift that accompanies it. Not always, but a lot of time. So let me explain healing and miracles, and then we'll come back to faith. So the gift of healing is a supernatural impartation of God's divine healing power through you to cure disease and heal the sick and afflicted instantly. Now we can receive healing in many ways, but the gift of faith, or the gift of healing is not receiving your healing through faith in God's word, though people do. It's not receiving your healing through doctors or medicine, but people do. It's not faith healers or divine healers. God is the only divine healer. 
So the Bible says, lay hands on the sick. He do, it doesn't say, if you have the gift of healing, lay hands on the sick. He says, lay hands on the sick. That means every person in here is meant to pray for the sick. But a person that has the gift of healing will see more sick people healed than the rest of us. This is not my gift, but I've seen people healed, and I lay hands on the sick. But my friends that have the gift of healing, they see way more people healed because it's actually the gift on their life. Just like we're all called to preach the gospel, it doesn't say if you're an evangelist. Now, evangelist just sees a whole bunch more people saved because that's the primary anointing on their life. We're all called to hear God's voice and encourage one another, but that doesn't make you a prophet, right? So in this same way, is that we all pray for the sick, but some have this gifting. Now, the gift of miracles is a special momentary gift of authority, which enables us, by the anointing of God, to intervene in the ordinary course of nature or to do something that could not be done naturally. So an example of a miracle would be like the feeding of the 5,000, where the loaves and fishes were multiplied, the multiplication of food, um, the dividing of the Red Sea, where the whole sea opened up. There's a story in the Bible of the miracle of an axe head, which is made of iron, floats on water. That's impossible outside of God. Uh, the multiplication of the widow's oil. The Greek word for miracle means an explosion of mighty power, a release of divine energy, and the performance of something which is contrary to the laws of nature. So when somebody has cancer and you pray for them and they no longer have cancer, they're healed. When someone is missing a limb, an arm, and you pray for them and an arm pops out, which has happened, that's not a healing, that's a miracle, right? Because it literally has to be created. Have you ever heard Lauren's story on this? It's so funny. So this YWAMer is praying for this lady and an arm comes right out. The YWAMer fainted. <laughs> there's stories of, you know, it's like blind eyes opening, but when there's no eyeball in the socket and one pops out, <laughs> that's a miracle. <laughs> These are all true stories. Um, so healing and miracles are different. Now, I believe that Lauren Cunningham has the gift of faith. That's why we're all here. He believes, like he has the gift of faith right now for Bible translation. Because of that man and a whole bunch of people's hard work, but because of Lauren, we will actually have every language have a portion of scripture way sooner because of the gift of faith on Lauren. It is why young people are in missions. Andy has the gift of faith in the area right now with the send and some of those guys. Like the gift of faith comes on them to achieve a supernatural result. To fill three stadiums, to do what just happened requires not normal faith, but the gift of faith that came upon them to achieve supernatural results. So it's like I couldn't do that because I don't, it didn't come on me that way. Does that make sense? And so there are times where that will happen to you to achieve a result. Now, sometimes it's a healing or a miracle. When we re read about revival history and the miraculous breaking out, oftentimes the person has the gift of faith that results in a miracle taking place or a healing taking place. Some people just have the gift of healing. It doesn't mean they're not experiencing the gift of faith. They just pray for people, and they're all getting healed. Then there's some that go, this is what will happen now. Now, you don't when you learn, when you're walking in your gifts, you don't start out this way, okay? Don't do this. <laughs> but there are people that I know that will say the gift of faith comes on them, and they'll say the next five people that hit this platform will be healed of whatever it is that's wrong with you. 
And, the, and it's exactly that. They'll say, this is what's going to happen. And that happens. The gift of faith comes on them, and they say something. But if it doesn't happen, you're going to have to repent in front of everybody. But that's not how you try it out. I wonder if this will work. Like, that's not what you do. <laughs> you, you go in proportion to your own, that you grow in these things, right? And so God understands that and doesn't expect any of us to start at that level. It's, we, but it comes on you. Now, I've had the, my gift of faith comes on me in the area of prophecy, which we'll get to in a minute. But that's where I can say, this will happen. This is what was going to happen next. This in this many days, the, you know, the gift of faith comes on me to say, but I, but I know the difference. I know the difference with me just being prophetic when the gift of faith comes on me to say something that's crazy. And if it don't happen, I'm going to be publicly repenting kind of a thing that I was wrong. Forgive me for I, I made a mistake, right? It doesn't make you false prophet. It just makes you make a mistake. So my husband, I think a lot of you probably, be, I know the guys all know who he is, but he grew up, actually his parents just arrived last night. Maybe uh, you'll see his dad around. He looks like a character off a of Duck Dynasty. Um, <laughs> yes. So he, uh, they had an inner city ministry in Texarkana, Arkansas. And so my in-laws, Phil and Linda, they, uh, they took in African-American children, which was very unpopular at that time uh, in that part of the world. They didn't just take them in. They lived in the projects with them. And they started an inner-city baseball team with all of these uh, little African-American boys. And they were so very poor. The church completely rejected them because they were fine if they ministered to them, but they weren't fine, and they started taking them into their home because of racism and all of that. But Philip has two African-American brothers, and Philip doesn't really know he's white sometimes. <laughs> so they have a couple stories like this. But my father-in-law, Phil, he, he comes and brings the whole team home. These kids haven't eaten in a while. And he looks at Linda and he says, hey, we need to feed these kids. They haven't eaten. And she, they're so poor. He goes, all I have is like this half a loaf of bread, a part of a piece of sausage. It was like, a, and this part of the onion. He goes, okay, let me go pray. Now, there's something to this is that he went and prayed and he can get specific instructions from God. He walks out and he says, this is what I heard. Cut the onion like this. Cut the sausage like this. Put it in a pan. And put a lid over it. They didn't even have a lid, so they use a cookie sheet. Put it over there and tell all them boys to line up and take it, open it up. Take as much as you want, but put the lid back on. They ate off of it for two days. Never, ever ended. Happened another time, two different times. My father-in-law says, many people want to see multiplication of food, but most people don't want to get to the place of empty cupboards. Right? And that's where people that see these things because they need to see these things. And so he, you see, that's a miracle, right? Growing up the way I grew up in Alaska, the most miracles I've actually seen are when I've gotten myself into crazy situations uh, where I've had to speak to storms or we were going to sink, you know, those kinds of things. Christmas time, as a kid, we were coming across the bay around the icebergs in Alaska. It's a real thing. Dark is only, only a couple, like an hour of daylight, and uh, the boat was breaking down, and uh, we were going to we're going to go. So my dad says we have to throw all the Christmas presents over it. And we just picked up the Christmas presents from the post office because my parents didn't have the money for it. And uh, my dad's like, got to throw them overboard. We're going to sink. And so I'm like, in the name of Jesus, I command. And I start just, it worked. <laughs> Wind changes, motor starts. I've had a few times where my dad was like cussing out this piece of equipment because it won't start and the tide's coming in. The gift of faith hits him. like, dad, that will not work. In the name of Jesus, I command you to start. 
turn the key, start it up, hop in. I'm like 10, you know, and it's like, what the heck, you know? So many funny things, but it's always in the place of like, we're going to sink, it's going to get destroyed. Like those places, I mean, I can't do it when I want to do it. But we've seen miracles so many times. Right here in the Ohana court, Heidi Baker was speaking one time, and she's talking about the multiplication of food. And she's talking about an hour in Mozambique when they multiplied cookies one time. God multiplied cookies for all these kids. Well, fire and fragrance during the, the time, all of our staff were in charge of the snack break. And we made cookies that day. Of course, Heidi didn't know that. And so they're putting them out for, for the break. And all of a sudden, all of these people from the community heard Heidi was here. So there was like 200 extra people in there. There wasn't near enough uh, cookies for break. Of course, Heidi's Heidi. She's on the stage. She's like, let's have a break and have cookies. Like she knew they were there or something. And our staff were like, she just told about the multiplication of food, and they had written a note for all the tables to say only take one because there wasn't enough for everyone to even have one. And our staff go, take down the signs. And then I don't know what it is about YWAMers in break time, but it's like you haven't eaten in a week or something. <laughs> you're like running to there. You're like passionate for the snack table. So here they come, right? And people are grabbing handfuls of them, and they never ended. Darlene was like, we just had the multiplication of food. Yes, we did. Why? Because he's God and he can. Another fun Heidi Baker story is Christmas time. She has a bunch of kids that she's adopted. There's a whole bunch of kids that are not her own adopted kids, but they're, they're still children without, you know, they're not, we don't call them orphans, but they're waiting for, uh, to, be, to be put in families. And the missionaries, you know, they send toys over for Christmas time. And she lets all the kids that are not her own go first. And they pick all the toys and stuff. And then it gets to her first, one of her kids. And she goes, what do you want? The little girl says, I want some beads. And Heidi looks at her assistant and says, put your hand in the bag and pull out the beads. And the assistant's like, Heidi, there's only stuffed animals in here. She says, put your hand in the bag and pull out the beads. Heidi, they go back and forth, realizes who they're talking to. She's like, okay. Puts her hand in the bag, pulls out beads, hands it to the little girl. Next kid, what do you want? Put your hand in the bag, pull it out. Who needs Santa Claus? So miracles. There was a kid in um, Alaska that came to one of our youth groups. I wasn't there the, this day. And he comes and they do words of knowledge for healing. And this kid comes forward and he gets prayer. No one knows who he is. And he, he gets prayer and he's like, thank you. But what we didn't know was that he was primarily deaf. And he got healed of deafness. Like he only could hear a certain percent. And he was completely healed. He comes back the next week and tells us. And then he gets saved. So he gets saved. So first week he gets healed. Then he gets saved. Then they happen to be the time where they go to youth convention, which is like this annual youth conference. And the kids are going to go out at the lunch hour to do evangelism in the malls in different places. So that he's like, that, that's that week. So week one he gets healed. Week two he gets saved. And week three he goes out in evangelism. So he goes into the mall and there's a lady in a wheelchair. She'd been in an accident. She could stand, but she could not walk. And he walks up to her and he says, I want to pray for you to be healed. She gets completely healed and out of the wheelchair. Her husband is flipping out. She's walking, running, and then she has this crazy scar from the accident. And she looks at the kid and she says, can God take away the scar? And he's like, ma'am, I mean, you just got to have a wheelchair. Sure, why not, you know? He didn't be like, well, that's too much, that's too much, you know. He just prays and her scar disappears, rolls up her wheelchair, puts it in the trunk, and off they go. Here's the deal. All that kid's theology is, God heals, 
saved, then I can do it too. He's probably never read a Bible verse before. I don't know that he ever operated in miracles again. I don't know. But all to say is like, this isn't about us. It's about him. And when it says have faith like a child, right? But oftentimes we see the most extraordinary things. It's like I have friends that practice walking on water. The only thing that's ever happened is they got wet. But then I also know of missionaries that have driven their vehicles under rivers, underwater, because there's a rebel army chasing them and they got to get to the kids. They can supernaturally drive underwater and drive up the other side. No big deal, throwing the fish off their, you know, out the window. Um, if most of us try to drive underwater, we're going to lose our vehicle. We only walk on water when we need to. Do you understand? Is that oftentimes these, so how do you grow in the gift of miracles and the gift of faith and all this? Simple obedience. When God says, hey, stop and pick up that piece of trash, and you're like, that can't be God. How can he say stop and pray for a blind person? You know what I'm saying? Like that simple obedience that you grow in favor and trust, you have the gifting, but it grows with us as we go. So I've watched the most immature people that have no business you'd think doing these things. They're operating in them because they have faith like a child, and God is discipling, you know, we're discipling them along the way. But I actually believe, and hear me now, I'm switching gears, I'm prophesying, telling you what I actually believe the Lord is saying, is that right now the primary gifts that he's releasing to your generation is faith, healing, and miracles. More than any of the nine, I believe that generations carry certain ones, even just like certain people groups carry certain ones more. Right now, I believe your generation is meant to walk in faith, healing, miracles because it's directly related to the harvest. All the other ones, they're there. But these ones are being highlighted right now. And so just know that you have full access to these, okay? All right, any questions on any of these three? Yep, I'm going to get into some of that in a minute, okay? So any questions on exactly one of these gifts? I'll get to your, I'll answer your question. Yeah. Yeah, example, like, Bill Johnson has the gift of healing. So his whole movement has the gift of healing. So that's why Bethel, remember I said when, but he's also very apostolic too. So so he has a number of giftings. It's like this. If someone walks up to me right now and they said, will you pray for me to be healed? I I would look for the Bill Johnson in the room because the odds of them getting healed are a lot higher because that's that person's gifting. But if there's nobody else, I'm up to bat. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, because Jesus can do anything. So I know but it's like this. They get me when it's time to, for the prophetic to operate, right? So it's like there's, we honor the gifts of God, and that's how why he says, now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want to be ignorant. So that, that doesn't mean if you feel like personally, though, that you, God has given you the gift of healing and you're seeing that, then you should go for it, right? Because the thing, guys, is I remember being with Bill one time in Alaska, and while he was with us in Alaska, one of his best friend's sons died of a disease, and he was just, you know, heartbroken. They'd been believing for it for a long, long time. And we're just kind of like, I mean, he's grieving. And that night in the meeting, he led it. Like another little kid walked into the meeting with the same exact disease, and Bill prayed for them, and they were healed. 
I remember I'm at dinner with him one night. I said, Bill, what about the people that don't get healed? He said, Amy, I don't live by what doesn't happen. I live by what does. So there's lots of why this. His own father dies. His secretary died. His own son has deafness. That's the pastor now of Bethel. If you actually look throughout history, a lot of people that have that gift will often have dealt with physical stuff. He glories in my weakness every day. One DTS that I led here, it's a really crazy story. <laughs> Why not? So there's this guy that I met when I was a teenager, and we were all youth pastors. We all worked in youth ministry. And I'm at this camp, and I give this guy a prophetic word. I said all the things that God's going to use him, and it was powerful. A few months later, he died in a boating accident, and he drowned. I was like, this is so bizarre. God, why? Why? I mean, like, was I wrong? God, I don't understand. I'm wrestling through this. But these are where you see the redemption of God. And I'm here then, years later in Kona, running Fire and Fragrance. I get this phone call from his mother. And she's like, I was on the website, and I saw your face. You lead this thing? Like, I remember you prophesied over my son. And I'm like, uh-huh. They're like, well, my daughter wants to come do a DTS. But here's the thing about their daughter. Her daughter had cerebral palsy and was in a wheelchair and could not even do anything. She, the kind, you know, she has an electric wheelchair where she can barely move her fingers to drive her wheelchair. She wants to come to a DTS in Kona. What? I mean, we have wheelchair accessible, but we go on outreach, all that. Her name is Sarah. Okay. She has to bring an aid because she literally can't feed herself. She has to be fed. She has to be dressed. She has to be bathed, all that. Her cousin, same age as her. Another young girl, they come here. They do their DTS. I remember you'd never, you just can't even imagine, in prayer room, prayer sets. She wheels her wheelchair up. They put their mic in her mouth, and she cries out for a healing movement. She starts to, she starts wheeling all over this camp. She's from a, actually a very small village in Alaska, and so she'd never had this much freedom. Can you imagine you're sitting at lunch? Girl walk, comes up on her wheelchair, and reads your mail. just wanted to encourage you. And she couldn't even fully talk properly in, in certain ways. Then outreach time comes, right? She picks the mobile outreach through Europe. <laughs> We're like, um, yeah, that's not going to work because we use trains, all this stuff. So her outreach team goes, we'll carry her. <laughs> so they brought her push wheelchair. But they, there was a big guy. They all took turns. And her cousin did their DTS too. She obviously took care of her. But all the girls, that was not, that's not what they were there for, but they chose to. They carried her through the trains and all this stuff. And the whole time, she's praying for the sick, you guys. It wrecked me to the deepest part, the deepest part you could ever imagine. We had this uh, speaker. His name was Chris Dupree speaking on the Father Heart. And he's a musician. He wrote this song. was Dance with me, oh lover of my soul. You're the song of all songs. Romance me. And all of a sudden, one of our students, he's married, big long dreads, scoops Sarah up out of her wheelchair in the Ohana court, in the corporate, and begins to dance with her all throughout the room. The power of God whoo, hits the Ohana court. Not a dry eye as she's fully like, even though it's a guy in her school, she's in the father's arms. And I went... I prophesied over her brother who died. And God raised up his sister that has cerebral palsy that's in a wheelchair who does a DTS that then goes on outreach mobily and prays for the sick and prophesies. He glories in my weakness every day. 
the upside-down kingdom. All to say is, I don't know why, but, but how much more powerful is it when she has every excuse to never leave her island? But she doesn't. She defied every odd, and a whole community came around her. That's why we propped Christy Brent up in a stadium. Because you never know the moment it's going to happen. To look at the pictures of her standing in Brasilia, yelling out while she meets the president of a nation. You're going, one year ago, you were barely alive. Now you're leading the whole thing. Your glory's in my weakness every day. Why do you think the enemy's worst fear is going to find out who you are and become it? Some of you, because now I feel the Holy Spirit, some of you have really dumb reasons of why you can't go. And they're not as bad as Christie's or Sarah's or mine or many others that are around. You're like, well, this happened to me. He'll redeem it. I'm from this. That's the kind of things that all through history, why does he use the most disqualified so that we would never have a reason to say God can't use me? That's how he gets the glory from our lives. So whatever it is, oh boy. <laughs> Some of you just have to get over yourself. It's like, take that stick that the enemy beats you with and change the world. Some of you have been abused. Some of you have been hurt and neglected and dealt with all kinds of different stuff. I get it. And I have deep compassion so much. But there's times where I wanted to quit and I'm like, guys, I can't go today. I can't do it today. And my friend's like, you have to, Amy. You can't give up. I remember one time I'm like literally wrapped in like a bandage from almost head to toe in a sense. I come back, I'm supposed to be recovering. I'm like dealing with depression, dealing with these things because I'm, I'm in so much pain. And I told the guys, I'm like, come pick me up. Like literally come help me get in the car, drive me to the prayer room, I'm gonna lead the next set. I'm like, Amy, you're not supposed to be sitting upright. Prop me up, here we go. Give me the microphone, let me rip a hole through something right now because if I have to suffer, I might as well bring heaven to earth while I do it. And then there's some days where I'm like feeling sorry for myself, and then they get in my face and go, you got to keep going. I, even now, I'm married. I walk in. I quit. I'm mad. I'm hurt. Philip's like, do you have a word? Shut up. I'll go get one. And he's like, because he knows I can't get one to quit. God's not going to let me, right? I'm not getting on another plane. I'm not doing it. I'm tired. Dang it, I'm getting on another plane. Right? So you have to understand is that in all of this, you get to walk in these giftings, and things don't always make sense, but that's what faith and trust is. I don't understand God, but I'm not letting go. I remember in one of my moments with God, he said to me, I was like, why, God, why? Why has this happened to me? Why does that happen to me? Everything I've ever you know, wanted for my life, it's been hard. Why? And he said, Amy, will you give up your right to understand why and just trust me? Some of you are never going to get your answers until you're face-to-face -face with God. But could you say, I trust you, God, even when everything else is screaming the opposite? That I can walk in healing even if I've suffered. That I can walk in faith even when I've suffered. I could do all of these things because nothing of my story disqualifies me if I say yes to you. Right? I mean, when, like, I don't know if you'll hear from Sano or not, but I love his story because he got an invitation to go to the White House and personal invitation from the President of the United States one time. 
And when he came and did his DTS here, he was escaping the FBI because it was a high-level drug dealer and he had the feds on him, so he came here to escape and did a DTS. It's a hilarious story. Everyone in his, uh, his school is going to kick him out, and Darlene Cunningham gets a word from God that they can't kick him out because he's going to be a future leader. And right now he's leading the entire nation of Myanmar, the charge towards God. You know what I'm saying? You're just like, and then he gets an invitation to the White House, and, all, and he's respected. He's with leaders of nations to think he was a high-level drug dealer that he wanted nothing to do with God and to watch what God's done with him now. He's, he's brilliant. So to answer some of your questions about those of you that wonder if you hurt your brain a little bit, God can do anything. That's what he goes, who would have thunk? And that's why even people like Christy, she's been sick all those years because she's changed entire movements, but no one would have thought the words came from a woman that was in her bed. Oh, it gets me going. All right, any questions on faith, healing, and miracles? Sometimes, yeah. I don't really, I wouldn't be able to talk to that because I don't know if that's actually what he said. So I'd have to see the quote to look at it to be able to, to answer that question. Um, I mean, God, here's the deal, guys, is that God is sovereign. He's all-knowing, and he, you know, he's all-powerful. And so it's not God's will that people die out of, out, like, it, he doesn't want a child to have leukemia and die of leukemia. That would never be the will of God. That's not who he is. But even in those moments, what God can do with that is when a grain of wheat falls to the ground, God can raise up seven more. So there's still justice that's released, right? So in other words is, yes, there's grieving, but there's a bigger story. So I wouldn't, it's never God's heart that a child would suffer or that a person, you know, like I have a friend right now that, one of my students here that was here, and he has three little kids, and his wife was just killed in a car accident a couple months ago. I saw him at the sand with his little girl, you know? And it tried, that's not God's heart, but what's happening out of it is crazy. So you just can see God in all of these things. But what we never want to do is tell, something, tell somebody that's sick that it's God's will. Because then you're saying, there's no hope. So if you pray for someone they don't get healed, never tell them that it's God's will that they are sick or hurt, and never tell them that it's their fault. Okay? I know that sometimes it's related to faith, but I've prayed for people that I didn't have any faith, and they didn't have any faith, and they got healed. Then I've prayed where they had radical faith, I had radical faith, and they didn't get healed. I know that faith is a part of it, but the meanest thing that you can ever do to a suffering person is to tell them it's their fault that they are in a wheelchair or their fault that they are dying of a disease. That is cruel. Don't ever do it. Somebody tried to tell me the reason that I was 400 pounds is because I had father wounds. I'm like, I'm about to give you a mother wound. <laughs> Joking. Yep, that's, you know, I mean, it could... People that have been hurt, yeah, they could eat their emotions. That wasn't my case. I mean, I'm, that might be, but that's still not what you go around. That's not how you address those things, okay? Because that's just you trying to cover up your own insecurity. Okay, any other questions?
Man, I'm getting wild in here. Yeah. No, you won't need to have a gift of healing in heaven. Everyone will be healed. So you won't need your gifts in heaven. Because you're, you're, everything about heaven is you won't need prophecy, any of that. You get to glorify God by glorifying him. Yeah. So we're going to get into how you know which one you have probably tomorrow because of the time right now. But we'll get to that. Yep. Any other questions about those three? Faith, healing, miracles. Okay, I'm going to move on. Let's see what time is it. Well, we're there. Eh, 11.30. Bing! <laughs> see you tomorrow. Um, I'm going to actually come in early tomorrow, uh, teach on something different, I think, for about an hour, and then we'll get back into this and finish up this and do a few other things. All right? How many of you, though, right now, let me ask you, how many of you feel something like stirring in you, and you're, like, not really sure why? Yeah, if you feel that feeling, stand up. Interesting. That is, so, okay, I can't prove it, that your spirit's right here, but that's how it feels to me, right? Sometimes it feels like almost like not nauseousness, but almost nervousness in, in something, and that's a very, to me, that's when your spirit is being stirred by something that's being said or happening. That's the witness of the Holy Spirit going, hey, I'm here, pay attention to this. So Holy Spirit right now, you're obviously doing something. We've went in a couple directions that I wasn't planning on going. So Holy Spirit, I just pray right now for all of those that are standing and sitting, but those that are especially standing, there's a witness inside of them of an activation that's taking place. So Holy Spirit, I just pray for more right now. Lord, I pray for the increase, especially in the area of faith, healing, and miracles. Holy Spirit, come. I pray for that increase, that impartation right now. Lord, for those to, have, to, to earnestly desire spiritual gifts, to step out in boldness. Lord, that you would begin to speak to them. Lord, you would begin to speak to them about their obedience to you in the simplest ways. Lord, in the smallest things, that they could be trusted with an increase of power. Lord, this is their inheritance. This is their calling. This is their hour to walk in these things. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We continually want to walk in the fullness of what you have for us. Lord, that we would be obedient in every area. Thank you, Father.